At Break the Cycle, we stand for positivity, resiliency, and motivation. Often we get caught up in expectations of others and forget what makes us who we are. Fear consumes us to question change and failure, fearing a new start and the challenging roads ahead. We represent being who you are regardless of how it's perceived and being comfortable with making a change in your life for the better and to help others. So be the change. Break the cycle. All right. What's up, everybody? I have with me today trading with a dummy. What's going on? What's up, everybody? I'm Mark with Trading with a Dummy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you might recognize him from some of our other podcasts. Um, yeah, we go way back. We do go way back. He is now back in Florida while I'm still here in Denver. Yes. I'm enjoying the beautiful weather. I'm sure it might be cold over there where you're at. No, it's uh, 82 degrees. Oh, whatever. But smoky. What do I do? <laughs> but it's smoky up here. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, I wanted to get on with you, and I want to talk to you about opt- like trading in the stock world and how we can apply it to our generation and then the younger generation, because obviously our generation didn't do a good job about teaching us, um, you know, how to diversify our portfolio and stocks and, and anything like that. So there's a huge push to get, you know, young people, you know, under the age of 40 really invested and, and educated on how to, own a company and not just be a consumer, right? So that's what I want to touch on. So kind of give me a, a breakdown of what a stock is, how to acquire it, and what you should do once you have said stock. Yeah, well, the first thing to do is this to be very clear and transparent. So um, I got heavily into the stock market, um, probably like slightly right before the pandemic. And um, unfortunately, and fortunately for me, uh, at that time, I couldn't work and do my job full time anymore due to the fact that it was um, it required me to be physically in a building, a top secret building. So I had a lot of time sitting at home and I was always interested in stocks to begin with. And back in the day, prior to, you know, Robinhood, everyone knows what Robinhood now, because I, I think Robinhood really changed the game because it made it really easy for anybody to basically pick up their phone and buy into a company. But prior to that, we had E-Trade and Fidelity, um, TD Ameritrade. And at that time, every time you, you did a trade, it was, I think it, it was associated with a fee of like $8.95, right? So that can be pretty pricey if you consistently trade. So uh, my first experience was back in the day with Netflix. I had bought um, Netflix during a time, remember when it was like a DVD service um, where you just basically go online, you order your DVD and they'll send it in the mail. And they also had a streaming service associated with it, but it wasn't two separate fees. It was just like one consistent fee. It was like $7.99, you get a DVD and a streaming, but they never really put a lot of effort into their streaming um, services. But eventually they pivoted from there and they started putting more money into their streaming services and they knew they were gonna get away from the DVDs. And when they announced that they're gonna do a split, that there would no longer be the DVD service and the streaming service together for $7.99, it's gonna be two separate um, fees. Uh, the stock plummeted. I think it was at that time 
close to a hundred bucks maybe or something like that. And it dropped all the way down to $60. And that was my first time ever investing. Um, I picked up the the app Robinhood and um, I could be a little bit wrong with the timeline, but I remember buying shares in it when it was like a 65 or $70 a share. I think I took maybe like a thousand dollars and just bought a bunch of shares in that, whatever I could buy with a thousand dollars. And it kept dipping um, below that. And I freaked out. I set it up where it would sell if I ever broke even. Fast forward four or five years later, it was a guy from my job who was like, hey, I remember you bought shares in Netflix, right? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, if it's if it's if it ever hit this like 70 bucks or whatever, then um I would have broke even. He was like, 70 bucks is like, dude, it's just like at 300 some dollars. You should have probably kept it. And that's when I logged into my Robin and I realized I had sold. So that was my first time investing and I completely messed up simply because I didn't have patience and um I didn't know anything about the stock market. So to me, things dipping, had I known what I know now, uh, I would have held on to that. So the first misconception I think what a lot of people have is that uh, investing into stocks, period, is hard. Secondly, like you said, we need to stop looking at everything as on a consumer aspect of things, right? So when you go into the Nike store, you're spending a couple hundred dollars on a pair of Jordans or, or workout clothes or whatever. But if you look at how much Nike costs, which I believe right now it actually ran up, but had you bought Nike, just let me see, I could tell you right now, um, had you bought Nike just a few months ago, it would have, uh, you would have made a ton of money. Yeah. See, it's, it's right now at 170 or $174 was the high. Um, literally about a couple months ago, it was at 120. So that's a pair of Jordans, basically. So this, you could have bought shares in Nike and actually made money off of Nike versus buying a depreciating asset, which is shoes. And I think a lot of times we only think on a consumer aspect of things and not looking at the bigger picture that if you actually start buying into companies, Target, Walmart, Home Depot, the places that you shop to start there, um, Nike, and just slowly buy shares into companies and just leave it and ignore it and see it as like a savings account, you'd be very surprised how it will look like five years from now. And because, um, you know, growing up, you know, in my neighborhood, it was the cool thing to do was to buy Jordans, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like that. I like that example that you use because I saw that a lot growing up. Um, Jordan, uh, there's some companies that aren't even around anymore, like Fat Farm. Um, what's the other one? FUBU. FUBU. Call Kanai. Yeah, you know, companies that aren't here anymore, but one that has always stayed ever, ever since I was younger was Jordan, Nike, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, th I think back, you know, I just sold six pair, like the rest of my Jordans. Uh, they sat in a box. I never wore them. I never did anything. So I literally took a stock, a share of Nike. And because those Jordans were about 180 to $220 each. So I took a couple Nike stocks within one shoe and it sat in my closet so in my mind i didn't in my mind i didn't really know anything about stocks or anything so looking back had i in 2010 11 12 13 bought nike stocks instead of jordans that just sat in my closet i'd probably have a pretty decent return 
right? But I didn't think about that. All I thought about was being cool. I didn't think about the long-term effects, five-year, 10-year plan. You know what right. I mean? Because if you look at the history of just our family in general, like I am, I could be pretty accurate to say that your family probably never talked about finances. No, never yeah. talked about finances, savings, checking, stocks, mutual funds, retirement, nothing. Never knew. Yeah. Same here. Yeah, anything. Yeah, same here. It was, it was never discussed in our household. It was never discussed about saving money and investing. That was never a topic in our household. No one I ever surrounded myself with had stocks. Um, so I think that's where it really started, where our family was just so focused on trying to have that nine to five job, um, live that American dream at the time, which was what, uh, own a house, have a white picket fence, have a dog, have a kid, have a car, and you made it, right? Um, and that worked during that time. That was, sure, that was an American dream. Our, our parents probably have accomplished that at one point or another, but they neglected the fact of generational wealth. And instead of focusing so much on the American dream, they neglected the generational wealth of things. And because of that, we weren't informed. One of the biggest pet peeves that I have within, uh, especially, I mean, any community, the minority community, whatever, it's, I, I, I hate when um, educators come on a platform and they always say like, this is the information they kept from us. That's what they always say, you know, like, this is like, like credit, like credit, um, credit hack. You know, this is the information they kept from us. No, the information wasn't kept from us. The fact is that we never really looked into it. It's because no one ever discussed it because there was nobody within our community that was really investing. So nobody, the, the information was readily available. You can go to the library and you go see the books that were there since the 1980s, 1990s. It's just that we never made the effort to really look into it. And it wasn't until now, I would say really 2020 when a pandemic happened where I see a lot of, I mean, a lot of financial gurus popping up out of everywhere. And they're like, yo, um, I have this knowledge and um, I could teach you whether it's for a monetary gain or not, they're out there and they're teaching now. And I think people are listening more now because I, I out of everything that happened with the pandemic, uh, the security of having a nine to five job isn't real anymore. And I think a lot of people kind of woke up to that where they're like, yo, I'm, I'm replaceable. Like if another pandemic happens, you know, am I considered um, essential personnel? Uh, like how, how, like, is someone going to help me pay my rent? Like what's going on? So I think a lot of people started looking at other means of uh, basically making money as well as investing. And this is kind of how I fell into it where um, I just been taking it really, really serious. And I, you know, I have my ups and downs. Um, I made more money than I ever thought I would within one year in 2020 investing. And then I also lost all my gains within a, a few months. Um, by not pulling out during a pullback. So you learn. Um, but a lot of people, the first time there's a, there's like a little speed bump, a lot of people get out of it and they don't look back anymore. And that's kind of how I was like, well, I was telling a story about Netflix. Um, you know, I took that loss and I didn't invest for like another 10 years. Right. And, and then that first, my, my next investment after that was square at $20. And if you look at Square now, it's over $250. I bought it at $20 and I sold it at $120. So even though I'm kicking myself in the ass for selling it at $120, still, that's a pretty damn good come up if you think about it, buying shares at $20 and then selling it at $120. Yeah. So I think it just really starts with the mindset of um, we need to stop buying liabilities. That's really the, the truth. Stop buying liabilities and start looking at you as an individual, five, 10, 15 years from now, because right now you may be in your twenties and you're like, yo, 
I don't need to invest. That's how we were, right? We were in Vegas. We were partying. We were having a good time. We didn't travel. We didn't save money. And we looked back. We didn't have any responsibilities. Any. No. I mean, we lived in a, in a house together. It was three of us. And we split the rent. And the rent was maybe $1,000. At that time, we had a steady paycheck on the 1st and the 15th. We had car payments that was probably under $300. And we were just wasting our money. Looking back, I wish I had invested in travel a lot more because I definitely would have been better off, especially had I invested in crypto. Oh, 100% because I remember, and maybe I just totally made this up in my head because it sounded like something that would happen. Um, But I'm pretty sure I remember being at the house, I think I'd already moved out, but you told me about Bitcoin. And I told you that was the dumbest thing ever. I said, why would anybody put real money into a video game currency? And that was my argument. And you told me you knew a guy that told you about it and you just needed 20 bucks. You're like 20 bucks. It's this new thing that's happening. And I was like, and at the time, you know, in 2009, 2010, crypto wasn't a household name. It was this kind of foreign concept. And I was like, dude, I'm not giving you $20 for that. That's dumb. That makes no sense. What am I supposed to do with it? Well, fast forward to 2021. Now, Bitcoin is $51,000 a share. And I think at the time, and I could be wrong, but looking back, it was less than one cent. So $20 we'd be millionaires just in 20 with just with 20 bucks correct that may have been me because i remember i was always had like a little side hustle trying to find ways to make money well Um, yeah and i i kind of remember because like we were in your room i was in there talking to you and you told me about it i was like dude that's stupid that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard about in my life i'm not giving you 20 bucks for this stupid stuff dude that was probably the biggest not not regret but I just wish I would have gave you 20 bucks. I was spending $20 on one drink at a nightclub in Vegas, you know, and who cared if I would have lost it. You know, I didn't think in that mindset back then that 10 years later, I could have been a millionaire based off of a $20 investment. I mean, I don't know if you would have been a millionaire at $20. Oh, maybe you could have, but I think it was, I definitely think it was more than just one set. I think it was a couple of dollars. But uh, the funny thing is my my biggest regret probably is not listening to myself either because I didn't end up investing in it at all. Yeah, I didn't, do, I didn't do anything. I just heard about it. I think I told people about it and everyone laughed at me and I just moved on. And I didn't actually invest into Bitcoin until 2017 when it was at the height of the market at that time. Right. Everyone was talking about it. And then my dumb ass bought into it back then at... um. Well, I mean, it's not dumb in, in retrospect, but back then it was kind of dumb because it, it was at the all-time high. It was like seventeen or eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars, right? Uh, a coin, and I bought it. And then the very next month, that it started crashing and it went down all the way to three thousand dollars. And uh, what I what I know now, obviously, is uh, I should have just held it and um, just bought more and just just held on to it. I mean, people think about it now; they're like, you know. Had you then, had you then, we could always have that discussion where I could go back and forth and say what we could have done, but that's not going to help you right now. Like I, I, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people come up to me and say, you know, had you invested in Amazon back in 1998? I was like, yeah, well, it's not 1998. And realistically, yeah. And realistically, had I bought into Amazon, which at that time was just a freaking book company that was selling books online. And the minute it had gotten up 50%, I I probably would have sold. I don't think any... 
it's very rare that you probably, at least I could be wrong when I say this. I don't know too many people who invested into Amazon back in the 90s and held onto it until today. This is all I'm saying. So you can spend all that time about, you know, talking about what I could have done, what I could have done. But realistically, is what can you do now to move forward, right? Right. So back in 2010, the highest for Bitcoin was uh, four cents. Oh, okay, shit. Yeah. So, I mean, you do... Do the math, yeah. (laughs) Do the math on that one, you know. That's a... that's a lot of that's a lot of Bitcoin. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah. we missed out. You know, we missed out. So how do you move forward now with it? Right. Right. It's it's a uh, uh, some people now are probably discouraged in investing into it. Period, because it's now at at the high again. I mean, it reached all the way up to sixty some thousand dollars, I believe, and then it pulled back to thirty thousand, twenty nine thousand, and now it's back up to forty eight thousand dollars right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not too late. You know, the good thing about Bitcoin is that you can just buy, um, buy into it without having to buy a full coin. So you could just buy a percentage of a Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and, but the, the scary part now too, when it comes to cryptocurrency, cause I still see the arguments with people saying that, Oh, it's, um, it's too volatile. Like it's, it's not very secure. Like, you know, um, how do you know it's going to be around forever? And the truth is Bitcoin is probably going to be around forever. Ethereum is probably going to be around forever. Cardano is probably going to be around forever. Those are the three main players. So um, just buy the dip when they do dip because they do dip. And when they dip, they dip harsh. Don't freak out and sell. Just hold on to it. Because, um, again, I had FOMO earlier this year. Uh, I told myself I would never invest into Bitcoin again. I didn't understand it because of 2017. I missed the 2010 train. Then I invested in 2017. I lost money. And I was like, I'm not touching Bitcoin again. And then my buddy, Kedar, every day was like, dude, uh, it, it's going up. It's going up. It's going up. And at this point, I'm frustrated with myself because I should have known better that I knew Bitcoin and Ethereum were going to pull back. It was just I didn't know when. And... Um, but every day he's like, yo, it's going up. I made $400, I made $400, I made $400. So I kept looking at uh, Ethereum. I, I noticed that it was, it was going back and forth between $3,800 and $4,200. So then I bought it at $3,700. And then the very next day, it dropped by half. Like it dropped all the way down to uh, it at 2000 somewhere. And I was pissed off. But this time I didn't sell, I just held on to it. And uh, I, think I'm, I think I'm break even now. I think we're bought in, but just the concept of Bitcoin period and crypto and Ethereum, um, I still don't understand it 100%. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that. All I know is that I'm keeping my money in there and I'm going long. That's um, it. That's the same thing uh, I've been doing. Um, you know, I got some little baby crypto and Doge. and Get out of Doge, damn it. <laughs> you told me to get out of Doge at 11 cents. Yeah, that's true. That that's a so Doge is a is a funny story because you came up to me this time with it and it was back in December and I remember you were like, dude, Dogecoin. I think it was December, right? It was something. It was like December or January or something. Yeah, it was it was like it was pennies. I remember it was like a couple cents or some shit. Like four and, no three cents. Yeah, and I remember you came to me like, hey man, I heard Doge Dogecoin is gonna take off. I was like, what the hell is Dogecoin? It's like I don't know. I look into it. I'm like, this is a meme stock. This is this is ridiculous. No. 
And honestly, I wish I had invested into it, which I did actually end up investing into it, if you remember. No, you did. Um, but you did yeah. at what, 27 cents or something. I, I did it at 30 cents and I sold at 72 cents because I knew it was going to, I knew it was, just, it was just a hype. It was a hype stock. Right. Um, I got in, I made my money off of it, and then I got out. And it was during the Saturday Night Live when everyone was expecting it to go to a dollar. The minute I saw a minor pullback, I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm good. And I got out, I sold all my shares. And now I think everyone's stuck at around 20 cents. But if you bought in as low as you, it doesn't even really matter. Just keep your money in there. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. You bought at four cents. Yeah. And that's what I did. I was like, uh, I'm going to just leave it in. Um, so right now, 26 cents to 26 cents right now. I think it was at 37 cents last week. I it's made- going to be, I mean, you, you may pop someday again. Yeah. Um, but it, it's nothing like it's not going to it's not a Bitcoin. It's not a Ethereum. I don't care what anybody says. Um, no. it's, it's not one of those. There's no use case for it. It's a joke. Um, but if you bought it so low, bro, I mean, you're, you're good. Who cares? You know, you could risk it going up yeah. another 10 cents or so. You're still making money. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, but going back to what we're saying, really, it's, it starts with the mindset of just trying to get out of that consumer mindset. And really just looking into it because the misconception and I hate it that everyone thinks that it's so hard to invest is really not. Um, The easiest thing to do is just buy into quality companies and just just leave it. Take a little bit of your paycheck, buy a couple of shares of Apple. Apple is like $156 now, $157. Buy uh, Microsoft, buy Home Depot, buy Target. It's places you go to that's been around for God knows how long. Just buy them and leave it and just ignore it. And, and you'll be fine. I, if you want to get into some index funds like consumer discretionary or or um, the tech sector, there's XLK and XLY. You can get into those as well. And then you have exposure to all these different companies in one. And when they do pull back, it's not harsh at all. Maybe two, three percent, five max that I've seen. Um, but you still overall, you'll, you'll be in a, you'll come up. You come up on it. It'll small come up, but it's still come up. So. So my question for you is you've been doing this and, you know, you're not liable for saying anything, right? <laughs> yes, I'm not a financial advisor, just for entertainment purposes only. Um, so take someone who's 20 years old, right? 20 years old, or let's just say 22, freshly graduated college, starting their life. And they came up, you're talking to them at a restaurant or Best Buy. You're talking to them about stocks. What is the one piece of advice that you would tell that 22-year-old who's in Best Buy about to buy the new iPhone? What would you tell that person? Is this a want or or I just want it. A need. Yeah, no, is no, that's what I tell them. Is like, is this a want or is this a need? Right. Do you need this phone? Like, do you not have a phone? Yours is broken, or you just want this phone? That's a difference, right? Because, I mean, let's just be real. iPhones are expensive as hell. They're about seven, dollars $800 at the minimum, mm-hmm. you know, at the low tier one. Uh, I would honestly just tell them, like, stop chasing the coolness of technology. Because I'm, I'm a victim to that. I love, I love tech. That's what I love. I like, I basically, I was buying pretty much almost every single new phone that was coming out for a, a good part of six years or so. I don't do it anymore because it's, if you really look at your device, I mean, does my, does my iPhone work? Okay. And then even then um, get it at a deal. Don't ever pay for it cash. You got to look at these, those little 
those little fine details when you get those phones. But at the end of the day, you're still paying seven, eight hundred dollars for a freaking phone. If your phone works, just keep it and take that money and invest it and then grow it to make profit off of that. Then take the profit from that that you invested. You get your money back and you have profit that you can then buy your iPhone with. It's going to take time. Obviously, it's not going to be an overnight sensation unless you get into like options and stuff like that. But I mean, overall, if you're a 22 year old kid, if you have $800, you're better off just investing it. Right. So do you think it's smart? And this is just philosophy, right? This isn't like anything that has an answer to it. Do you think it's smart that if I have an iPhone, I should probably have an Apple stock or two? Yes. 100%. Right. So at least you're getting something, right? Just like what I said about the Jordans, you know, how many people have Jordans or have iPhones or have um, a car, you know, a Honda, but they don't own, they don't own stock, at least one stock in those companies. Probably, probably a lot of people that you were run into is like, that. Oh. And, I, and I know it's because you don't have anything tangible, right? You don't have yeah, you don't physically, yeah, you can't physically touch it or anything like that. So all you really have is just some numbers on your phone in an account and that you're, and you're like, well, can I grab the money out? Sure, you can grab the money out, but still you don't have anything tangible, right? And again, what's, what's cool, right? It's cool having the newest Jordans because you could floss. You could go on Instagram, you could take pictures and be like, yo, look at me. I don't know how many people I know that are broke as fuck don't have money and they're on Instagram showing off all the fancy clothes that they have, the fancy cars, the fancy shoes, the fancy purses, but you don't own a share in a damn thing and you're living paycheck to paycheck because I was that person too. I mean, I was never like flossy when it came to clothes or anything like that, but I was living paycheck to paycheck and I was just making bad financial decisions until eventually it, I just surrounded myself around the right people and my mindset change and it was really once i found um the financial literacy community where i saw people that looked like me and i was able to relate to them and that's what really changed my entire mindset yeah that's good i think it i think it's important to have certain people around you um you know because we're 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 humans need interaction with people you know what i mean so whatever interaction we can we are we are getting and whatever situation we're in tends to be based off of the decisions that we make. You know, so if you, if you are surrounding yourself with people that all they wanna do is waste money on designer, you know, clothing or, you know, fancy cars at a 10% interest rate because they don't make enough. So it's a liability for that bank, right? That used most likely everybody in your group is going to have a similar mindset. You know, you may have the one or two, you know, the rare exceptions of someone that's making the better decisions, but for the most part, the birds of a feather flock together, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So do you think, you know, our generation and below, do you think that that's grown up with the music videos and the, you know, and the magazines and now this generation growing up with Instagram and TikTok and being so into the celebrity and 
I guess, flossing culture, do you think that plays a negative part in people's mindset and perspective about making good financial decisions? Yes. Uh, back then for us, um, now I would say that a lot of the rappers that we grew up with now, if you see them on like interviews and stuff, they talk about financial literacy a lot, real estate, crypto, um, stocks, businesses, entrepreneurship, right? So I think uh, our current generation that's, that's growing, our kids are probably going to be better off while we're kind of behind and try to play catch up. Right. Um, but it was definitely, it was definitely a culture. I mean, you, you can't, you can't knock it if that's all you saw, right? You saw rappers, basketball players, drug dealers. Those were what was like bombarded with us all the time growing up. And I grew up in Germany and I, and I saw it, you know? So it's, it was always like, yo, uh, being a rapper is cool. Being a drug dealer is cool. Being an athlete is cool. That's all that's cool. Nothing else is cool. I, I don't ever remember seeing a uh, black investor. You? I think the first time I've ever seen a anything... Related to that, was the pursuit of happiness? No, uh, I only knew FUBU, and I just knew they were owned. They were black owned. Oh yeah, see, I didn't even. I just like the clothes. I don't think I even looked into it. Yeah, that's why my, you know, that's why my grandmother and my family bought me off FUBU because it was actually owned, you know, by black people. Yeah, Damon John, and it was yeah, it was still super expensive, but you know, Mm -hmm. it it was better than. You know, at the time, we're like, oh, okay, cool. This is, this isn't Tommy Hilfiger. This isn't, you know. And then you had, then you started to get a lot of clothing companies. Your Russell Simmons came out with Fat Farm. Nelly mm-hmm. came out with the clothing company. Diddy came out with the clothing company, and that was. But those clothing clothing companies weren't sustainable, because then it went from streetwear, right? That that most people could afford at least own one shirt or a pair of jeans or shorts or anything. And went from that, fast forward 20 years, now what's cool? Versace, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, things that are outside of the average person's reach, right? Because just like you said, the, the rappers back then, yeah, they wore gold chains, they drove fancy cars, but at least what the, at least they had something on that the average person could wear. And, and what they were wearing and supporting at that time was Black-owned businesses. Now, it's yeah. for other people's businesses because that's considered like the, the status quo, right? right? And the funny thing is, I mean, again, I don't know a bunch of millionaires, but uh, the people who really have money are not going around flossing and showing off all their fancy, um, you know, clothes and Gucci, Versace and all this other stuff because I, a lot of the ones that at least have a good head on their shoulders know that they rather just invest into the company versus be a consumer and then have their dividends or have their stocks pay for their extravagant uh, travels and, and furniture and clothing and all this other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, we drove the culture, I think, when it comes to what was considered cool, and what wasn't. And um, we're the ones who made all these other people rich. Right. But, but didn't, but didn't make ourselves rich. Oh, exactly. And then the more you try to do it, the higher the bar gets set. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I remember growing up and, you know, the, the types, you know, yes, it transitions, but the type of cars that were once in music videos were Jeeps, you know, average car, 
you know, the type of clothing was an average clothing that your favorite singer or rapper would wear. Then it transitioned into more luxury, like Mercedes and BMWs, but they were still wearing stuff that I could find at Macy's or JCPenney, you know, so I still felt like I could relate, you know, to that type of lifestyle because I'm wearing the same outfit that 50 Cent has on, that P. Diddy has on, that Nelly has on because it's a, it's more affordable. Now you have these entertainers who are wearing, you know, $500 t-shirts, you know, that are wearing $8,000 suits or $2,000 jeans that look, that are outside of our reach, right? And so back to what I was saying, do you feel like that hurts our culture? Because now the younger generation is striving that we want to strive to be, to wear Fat Farm, something that was, you can buy a shirt for $25, $30 and still wear Fat Farm. But now this generation, it seems like things are out of reach for them. So they're trying to catch up with their favorite entertainer that's wearing a $500 t-shirt. That is outside of the normal reach. Yeah, and now, you fake it because it's a, it's a world of social media. You fake it until you make it, right? That's the whole perception. Right. Like nobody really cares about the reality. It's all about this um, digital world that they live in and what they can pretend to be. So right. they'll go out there and they'll buy all this expensive stuff, not being able to, to pay rent. Um, I think people just eventually grow, will realize it. Um, it's just, it's, you just got to, honestly, man, it's crazy, but I think you just got to surround yourself by people that have um, outgrown you as an individual. Because if you always stay hanging out with the same people who are at the same level as you, I don't think you will ever gain any additional knowledge to bring you to that next level i'm not saying to ditch all your friends or anything like that i'm just saying that kind of open up your your friendship circle and and start exploring outside of this bubble that you live in and talk to people who are in a different career field in a different um uh environment than you are the people who who do things differently than you people who can literally school you mm-hmm. on things um like one of the the, the best parts that because you always make fun of, of me when I was um, staying on your couch these couple months ago. You always make fun of me for uh, watching the come up series. You're like, ah, Mark Monroe, Mark Monroe. But this shout guy does. Monroe, yeah, shout out to Mark Monroe. This guy um, literally changed a lot of people's lives by introducing them to options trading. Because again, right, when it comes to stock, sometimes it's a slow process. It's patience. And, and when you buy shares, like if you don't have thousands of dollars to buy a hundred shares in a company you have you could take a couple of hundred dollars to a couple of thousand dollars and buy into a company through options and actually get that same return that you would if you had um a hundred shares into a company i would like to put an asterisk on there though but it's also a lot riskier than just buying stocks so but he introduced um the community to the ability and the power of options that a lot of people didn't know about and um, I think it just kind of changed a lot of people's lives, to be honest. And and again, that's another thing that was exposed to the culture. Now everybody wants to jump on it as well. And everyone wants to be an options trader and all this other stuff. But the Mark, reality is, go ahead. Back to that. I just, just give, give for the average person, somebody who has no idea what an options 
trade is. Kind of just break it down dummy style for, for the person who has no knowledge about that. Okay, so try to break it down as quickly as possible. Okay, so you are um, essentially buying a contract. You're buying a contract, for example, they call them call and put options. Call means you believe the stock is going up. A put is you believe the stock is going down. So, for example, a share of um, Apple right now is $156. Um, but you know that every year Apple goes up, we could, we could say 5% over a year. And that's being extremely generous. Like it goes up more than that each year. But let's say you believe that um, Apple can go up to $165 by the end of January, 2023. So you buy an option contract for whatever it costs. I don't know what it is right now. I could look it up, but let's just say it's about two thousand dollars for that contract and a contract 100 shares correct correct so the contract is treated as if you own a hundred shares of apple but you don't actually own anything you just own a contract stating that i have this contract i bought at two thousand dollars i believe that apple is going to reach 165 dollars by january 2023 and um when you buy into that contract it costs you two thousand dollars treat it like insurance and basically you have the option to hold this contract until january 2023 and as apple moves up in stock price that contract adds value so it'll go up to 2200 2400 2600 3000 4000 5000 so if you're if you're lucky by the time um next year summer apple might be at 170 dollars a share and you have a contract that said that you were expected to hit 165, you have value on that contract. So you can sell that contract to somebody and they're gonna pay you that premium price of whatever it is at that time, $4,000. So you get your money back, your initial investment is $2,000 plus an additional $2,000 on top of that. Or you can actually, um, which I don't see a lot of people doing, you can um, actually execute on that order and you can actually buy those 100 shares yourself at the price that you paid for it which was at that time the price of 156 dollars a share okay. if that makes sense that's that's the easiest way i mean I, there's, there's so many videos in there i could break it down a lot better than what i'm trying to explain to it because i just a lot of intricate things that goes with it as well as but the biggest thing is like you're you're fighting against time so the closer you get to your expiration which is january 2023 the less value you'll start having on that contract. So it's actually fighting against you at the same time. So um, you have to be very careful. It sounds too good to be true, but it does work if you get in at the right price at the right time and, yeah. and you get out at the right time. Well, it definitely works because I, uh, I did one option. I did a Best Buy option. I ended up making some decent money. Oh, the one I told you to? Yeah. No, no, not you. Some... Some other person told me that. No, that was that was me. Shut up. <laughs> I remember it was a it was like a uh, Best Buy was at a hundred dollars, and I told you get an option contract for one hundred twenty, and it reached one hundred twenty, I believe. Um, no, I did one hundred fifty dollar call. Oh, okay. I went but over you... that, and I made I think. No, on Best that. Best Buy never went to one hundred fifty, but it went to one hundred twenty, and you end up still having value in your contract. Value because I bought it at such a low call. Mm -hmm. So I ended up making some decent money. So. That's, you know, that's something that, you know, the average person, it doesn't have to reach that amount. It just has to keep going up. 
Correct. Yeah. The, 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 every time it moves up in price, you're adding value into your contract. And obviously, once it does reach your price and it goes over your price, you make even more money. Right. So, but again, if it goes against you and a stock starts dropping, you could lose a lot of value. So I always tell people that are interested in, in options. Uh, first of all, go watch the Come Up series with Mark Monroe and Jolyn GC. Um, learn about options. And then if you want to dabble in it, go for two-year-long option calls or puts, whatever you want, calls. Typically, I, I don't see reason to really do um, puts. And um, buy XLK and XLY, which gives you exposure to Tesla, Amazon, Google, um, Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, and um, buy option, option calls for those and then just let them sit. And But if you cannot handle red, meaning that there's times that you can get into a position, especially if you don't get the all-time high, which you shouldn't do. But if you don't get in at the right price, it may pull back a little bit and it may show that you're down 25, 30, 40, 50%. And if you can't handle that, don't do options because it can come back. I've seen, I've been in positions before where I was down 60, 70% and it came back and I was positive 25, 30%. The highest I ever got on a position before I exited was 325%, I think I had gotten. Um, And I don't think I exited though. It was an ARKK. Um, I had gotten all the way up to a hundred and yeah, I mean, 325%. And I think it dipped all the way down to about 150 before I got out. So again, my fault, I should have definitely took profit, but it's possible. Um, I got out on my, an SMH at 300%. I got now on an XOK recently at over 150%. Um, so those gains are possible, but also understand that it can also draw you down, which is what happened to me from February through May. I didn't exit any of my um, ARC positions, and I saw them all go from 100 to negative everything. They died. The positions died. Yeah, so it's, a, it's definitely a risk. I know a lot, of, a lot of people are stuck on the, well, it needs to make me money. I get mm-hmm. it. We all want to make money, right? No one wants to ever lose money. However, it is a risk that you're taking and you have to be comfortable with that risk that you're taking. So don't go, you know what I mean? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't put your life savings into into something if that's all that you have in order to eat and to feed your family. Correct. Don't invest into the market if you cannot afford to lose the money. Right. Is the best way to describe it because... um, when it comes to investing, and I'm actually shooting a video for that right now on my channel, Trading with a Dummy, where um, I'm diving into the whole mindset of trading. Because um, if you invest money that you cannot afford to lose, it's stressful as hell. Because you know you see you see your money just slowly just disappearing, and then you make irrational decisions like um, uh, revenge trading. That's a thing. That's like a real thing. I've never really dealt with it. Um, but it's like when you take a loss on something, you get angry and you get into another bad position. You take another loss, you get angry and you go freaking YOLO thinking you're going to make all your money back and you end up losing everything. So you have to be smart about it. It's just like gambling. Yeah, it's gambling. Like, you know, a gambler that loses everything and he's like, I'm going to win it back, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. I said snake eyes. It just, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, Correct. And I know people who literally have lost this year Forty-five thousand, ninety-nine thousand dollars of their gains, and it happens in the option play. I mean, if you listen to um, one of Mark Moreau's stories, he lost eighteen million dollars on an option play. 
Like that stuff happens, but you can make a lot of money. You just have to be very strategic about it. And um, one of the biggest things I learned is profit is profit, y'all. Do not allow your account to go to negative. And when I say that, I'm trying to get an asterisk on there. Like obviously when you get into a position and, you know, let it grow, it may go into the negative for a little bit, but let it grow. Now, by the time you do have equity in it, like you are up 100, 200% or whatever, um, don't allow that to go to zero. So would you, so would you recommend just not as a, not, not as a financial advisor, but just you say, you know, say I buy into, you know, let's go with the theme of Nike and Apple, right? Say I buy Nike and Apple stocks. Um, let's just throw, let, I'm going to throw a number out there. Let's just say it's $200 a, a share, just, just for purposes. Mm-hmm. And they grow to $300 per share, Right. Do you think it's smart and wise for someone to sell the amount of shares in order to recoup their original investment and then just let it let the rest of the investment sit and see what happens? Or should someone just let it ride, leave everything in there? Oh, you're talking about like uh, take take your initial um, investment out of the market? The initial investment out, right? So you've already... Yeah, and then let your your gains sit and continue to grow. Right. that's, That's perfectly fine. I see... I see um, no reason to not do that. Now, I mean, if you don't need the money, um, let it sit and let it keep working for you because right. that's what you're really doing. You're, you're allowing your money to work for you. I just don't see a purpose because, I, I, again, like once once I got to the age and I got a little bit smart and I, have, like, I messed up my credit at 18, I fixed my credit by, by the time I was 21. So I was like real big on that. Um, just putting money into savings just never did it for me. And I'm not saying that's for everybody. I mean, you know, some people love savings. They just leave it in there. They, they get their little, you know, one, 2% return a year. And that's fine for me. I just, I didn't have a large enough account for that to make any huge significant impact in my life. And now I really don't see a reason to really keep money in savings. Um, the best way I could describe it is uh, I'm liquid poor, but my investments are nice, you know, it's growing. And, and every time I have money just sitting in my savings account, I'm like, I just sitting there doing nothing. And I feel like it needs to work for me. And, um, and again, you know, it's gonna, it's, it's trial and error. Cause you can, you, you can get in there and you, you get really excited. You get into these penny stocks. First of all, stay away from penny stocks y'all. Like literally I talked, do you know anybody who's ever made money off of penny stocks? Jordan Belfort. Wasn't that a whole <laughs> pyramid? Was that like a whole pyramid scheme and an illegal thing? But I'm yeah. just saying, in, in general, yeah. you, you'll hear a lot of people who will sit there and brag, "Yo, I made all this money in penny stocks." But how much did you lose? That's right. the thing. No one, no one wants to talk about the losses. Um, but if you do, like, if you have money that's sitting in savings, yo, just buy, put it in Apple, and just leave it there. Especially if you're planning on leaving it there for two, three, four years, you'll make more money. Even honestly, like worst case scenario, right now, if you take ten thousand dollars that's just sitting in your savings account, if you have that. And you put it in Apple at the all-time high of $156, $157. And then it dips to $130. Who cares? Because it's gonna go above $156, $157 within the next three years. Yeah. So it doesn't like it's like a it's a it's a sure thing. You're gonna win. You're gonna be up in the end of the year, regardless. That's just how I see it. Again, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just saying when it comes to buying stocks, individual stocks and holding. 
that is the safest way to invest by good quality companies and just stack on top of them over and over. And um, for everyone who's listening, I invest every single month, a part of my paycheck when I had a paycheck. Now it's whatever investments, whatever money I make from investments. I invest into VOO and VTI, which are two Vanguard ETFs, um, which I, um, I invest into no matter what. And uh, I have never been, have drawn down on that at all. I've never seen that those two stocks negative. I've averaged down, I've averaged up, and it's looking nice. Cool. One last question. What the? Single purchase stocks, options, or dividends, which are better? There is no which is better. It's what suits you. So, so. so like the, the average listener, right? The average listener that would probably be listening to this is someone within the lower to middle class. Um, you know, not a lot of, I don't know, just like you said before, I don't know a lot of millionaires. I don't know a lot of people with just hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting on their couch, figuring out something to do with this. So your average investor who is really trying to get in kind of back to that 22 year old going to buy a, a iPhone at Best Buy and, you know, someone to really get into it, to understand you know, do, do you, would you, would you think that a beginning investor would benefit more from buying an Apple stock flat out, buying an Apple option, or looking to see what companies offer dividends? Um, so I would definitely say either um, buy a stock or a dividend stock. And the reason why I say that is because you're, you're taking a risk off the table. Because again, with options, you have a good potential to make a good enough, a good amount of money just um, getting to the right options, right? So you can grow your account a lot quicker, but it's also a lot riskier. And if you don't have the time to invest into learning options or you don't have the time to manage your account like once a month or whatever, don't touch don't touch options right now. And so you have to learn when it comes to options, you have to take the time to at least learn and understand the fundamentals and the technicals when it comes to options. Cause otherwise you're just kind of just jumping into the pool without any floaties and not knowing how to swim. Um, that's why it's a lot easier. I would say just to go do, go to stocks or the dividend route because you're jumping into the pool, but you can stand. So, you know, get good quality companies in the, in the stock market, Apple, Microsoft, B-O-O-B-T-I, NVIDIA. Uh, I like TDD, which is Trade Desk. That's my baby. Um, I'm also a huge Spotify fan. So I'm not telling everyone anyone to invest into that because that one has ups and downs, but I swing that quite a bit. Um, but again, solid companies invest into that. Same with dividend. The problem with the dividend is this. They're great, right? Because they give you money for owning them. But for you to see a significant return in that, you have to buy hundreds of shares hundreds for you to really see um, a good return on that because the thing with dividend stocks a lot of times they move sideways right if you look at at&t for example which is a dividend stock it moves between 28 dollars and 30 dollars forever you look at coke coca-cola i think it moves i think it's at 50 dollars it's always around 50 dollars same thing with pepsi they move kind of just flat but you get a nice dividend but you got to buy at least over 100 shares or so to really see any 
any significance in it. Cool. Cool, man. Well, where, where can somebody find you to get more of this financial stock dividends and options knowledge? So when it comes to, um, if you really, really like want to get advanced knowledge on um, the stock market and options and stuff, go follow the come up series. It was going to be well, 100% real. But if you want to um, learn about the stock market, if you want to learn about individual stocks, if you want to learn about some tips and tricks that I learned on my journey and you want to follow me on my journey, you could um, go on YouTube and just type in trading with a dummy. It's an educational entertainment channel that I created with my family. Uh, the reason why I created it, um, I call it trading with a dummy, not dummy in a negative way, but I've made mistakes. We all make mistakes. That's the reality of being in the stock market. You'll, you'll live, you learn from the mistakes. So I kind of put a lot of that stuff out there. Some of the mistakes that, that I've experienced throughout my journey. And I kind of make fun of it, but in a lighthearted way, because everyone's so serious when it comes to the stock market um, and investments period, everyone's so serious about it. And I just kind of want to put like a little lighthearted touch to it and make it fun and enjoyable. So I do these skits with my family where we cover um, some of the companies, you get some information in the background of the companies. Like I did an episode on Apple. I recently did one on Tesla. Um, I got some other ones like on Roblox and stuff that's coming out soon. I also, um, like I said, I'll go through some of my tips and tricks, like how to place uh, OCO orders for options. If you're into that, where you can get into an option trade and not worry about it, it will get you out of profit or will stop you out at a loss at a certain loss. Um, I do videos like that as well as I review these financial literacy channels. Which, is, um, which was huge for me because I want to be real transparent with the, the audience. So I go from a financial literacy group to financial literacy group. I review them. I put them. I put the information out there for you guys to see. So you see what you get for the money that you spend and you decide if it's something that you wanted to sign up um, for or not to learn. I also um, do interviews like podcasts that you and I are doing with some of these financial literacy coaches and gurus within um, our community, like uh, um, Q, Quentin Martin, which that guy is dope. If you want to learn a lot about the stock market and just like his analogies are freaking awesome. Um, that guy works on Wall Street. He's very knowledgeable and he gives you a different perspective than I, I've heard from a lot of people when it comes to understanding companies and a mindset of why you should invest into this. It's like, don't just invest into it because it's the cool thing. It needs to have this, this, and that for you to have conviction to invest into it. So, um, but yeah, definitely follow me trading with a dummy. I launched it about a, a month ago. Um, I'm close to 700 subscribers. So it'll be awesome to get more. Gotta hit that thousand, man. Yeah. Get that thousand. So I get monetized. <clears throat> nice. Well, cool, man. I want to thank you for taking some time out to talk to me and, you know, whether it's one person sees this or a million people see this, if you know, we're all about changing the mindset, changing lives. So if at least one person takes anything from this conversation and applies it in a positive manner, then you know I feel like I did my job. I feel like you did your job. I feel like we did our job to, to help. Yeah, definitely. And this is like the first time we sat down and had like a financial literacy conversation, which yeah. is great. And just so you guys know, um, Blake over here, did not learn anything from me while I was sitting on the couch. I've been trying to force him to learn about this stuff. And he's like, leave me alone. I just want to work out. I I learned a lot. I just didn't want to, you to talk my ear off about it. <laughs> Execute. Yeah, yo, I'm, I'm so passionate about this stuff. Like, I don't think people really realize it. Like, my family, my son now, he's, uh, he's um, nine. And he's, every time he gets money, he's like, here, dad, um, invest it. 
and it makes me so proud. My daughter, on the other hand, has my wife's personality. She wants to spend it all. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have that. You know, we need consumers, too. You know, consumers are going to force those stock prices up. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So well, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, anytime, anytime. And, uh, you know, once again, this is breaking, break the cycle with Trading with a Dummy. Uh, follow him on Trading with a Dummy. Follow me on Break the Cycle Clothing. Um, go to my website, BreakTheCycleClothingUSA.com for all your merchandise. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.